Thank you for joining us for today's show. You can follow us on Facebook or visit our website at BeatitudesChurch.org. Beatitudes Radio, empowering people to enrich society. How many of you know what your name means? Anybody know the meaning of your own name? Great. Sandra, I go by Sandy, it's a variant of Alexandra, which means protector, defender, or helper of humanity. And I rather like that. My husband's name is Clint, which means settlement on a hill, or from the headland estate or farm. Interestingly, my husband does hail from a farm. Anthony, our last name, translates to priceless or worthy of praise. And I like that too. We have many names for God in the Bible, each with shades of meaning. And a few of them include Father or Abba, which are names that convey the familial intimacy that God wants to have with adopted sons and daughters. Both Jesus and Paul use Abba, or Father, in the New Testament. Well, there's also Lord, or Adonai, as it is rendered in Hebrew, which signifies sovereignty. Another way the Bible refers to God is the beginning and the end the Alpha and the Omega. Also, God is called the Ancient of Days in the book of Daniel. There are, of course, Christos and Messiah, which mean the Anointed One. And then the Greek name Jesus is a translation of the Hebrew name Joshua, which means the Lord is salvation, the Lord saves, or the Lord is my help. Back in June, we talked about El Roy, the name that Hagar gave God, which means the God who sees me. And there's also El Shaddai, meaning God Almighty, and Great Spirit, too. And the word Elohim is also used for God, even though in Hebrew it is plural, but context helps us determine when it refers to God with a capital G, or to gods with a lowercase g, much as we use that English word deer, D-E-E-R. There can be one deer or a whole herd of them. And by the way, El, E-L, is a Hebrew way of denoting God. You with names like Elizabeth and Ellen and Elroy and Manuel and Miguel and Michael and Michelle, Gabriel, Janelle, El, Elaine, have El, or God, embedded into your very name. My daughter's name is Noel, N-O-E-L-L-E, which is the feminine spelling meaning God is born. The masculine spelling is N-O-E-L, or Noel. How many people do you know who have El embedded in their names? There are so many more names for God, and I could keep going on, but I'm, I'm not fond of being long-winded, and I don't think you would be fond of me either if I don't make my point soon. 
The point is um, today that God, capital G, is a word we use to denote supreme being. And it tells God, this being tells us God's own name in our Exodus text today. In my opinion, this is a breathtaking moment. That name is Yahweh, and the ramifications for us in today's passage are stunning, and I'll get to that name in a minute. But the ramifications of what is in this name call us to a renewed reverence and holiness in life and prime us for mission, for we too have our being in this being, capital B. God, like for Moses, is with us too. Well, let's, more, let's dive more deeply into the context of God's revealing God's name, Yahweh, and then we will get into that wonderfully mysterious name God gave when Moses asked. While the shepherd, Moses, is tending his father-in-law's flock, the angel of the Lord, in a blazing bush that did not get consumed, caught his attention. Now, Remember, the angel of the Lord in the Old Testament is usually understood as God as well, or in traditional Christianity, even the pre-incarnate Christ. And here, this being gives Moses a mission to lead God's people out of suffering, out of Egyptian slavery, into a land flowing with milk and honey. And Moses fears he isn't up to the task, and presents a series of buts and what-ifs, which is a sermon for another day. But in short, know that Moses humbly asks, who am I to go to Pharaoh and, and bring the people out of Egypt? And then God answers, I will be with you. And then Moses says, what if they ask me your name? And God answers, I am who I am. The Lord, the God of your ancestors, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob, this is who sends you. Hear again what Moses asks. What is his name? What shall I say to them? And God tells Moses to say, I am who I am. And I love this answer. It captures all the elegance and the mystery, this transrational existence of this being. In Hebrew, this phrase is, of course, a translation of J-H-W-H, Yahweh, the sound of breath. Jehovah, by the way, is the, the Hebrew vocalization of J-H-W-H, with the addition of vowels. Now, Yahweh is what animated or breathed life into Adam, who was formed from the ground. Incidentally, humanity's names for divinity in world religions often have this ah sound, which is fundamentally the sound of breath. You think about when a baby's born, ah, the first breath, ah, the sound of consciousness. This is the sound of being and consciousness itself. Think about it, Allah, Krishna, Brahma, Gaia, Yahweh. 
I exist, I am, I am who I am. Not just the giver of life, but life, existence itself. Nothing living exists without breath. And this is the self-revelation of the God who was, is, and forever will be. Now, God is not you, but God is with you and in you and is the power that causes every cell in your body to divide. And God is as close as breathing. And God empowers you and is the very ground of your being, whether your name is embedded with L or not. You are enervated, empowered, and given breath by the same ground of being, and as such are holy, likewise made for mission, just like Moses. And God will be with us too in all that God calls us to be and do in this life. Now remember that Moses lived in a polytheistic environment, so he feels he must know the identity of the God who is dealing with him. God is telling him um, that this mission of leading the people out of slavery in Egypt doesn't have to do with who Moses is, but with who God is. Many people aren't committed to God, quite frankly, because they do not know God. They only perhaps know about God. And we can become so self-focused that we don't see this broader reality all around us. We forget about God's near presence. We're so apt to forget that we are created and completely sustained by the existence of God. If God should cease to exist, so would we. God reveals ultimate authority and ultimate reality when giving, Moses, Moses, when giving Moses God's own name, I am that I am. It's pure consciousness. It's the very force binding atoms and orbits throughout the universe. So with that very broad picture, what is the, the takeaway message for us today? Well, in a nutshell, is that wherever God is, is holy ground. And God is everywhere. Holy means to be sacred or set apart. And that's why God tells Moses to take off his sandals. Taking off dirty shoes is a sign of respect, of reverence, you see. Moses is on holy ground because he's near God. And God calls Moses by name. You, too, are holy because God is in you. You are worthy of such respect. Every single person is worthy of respect, for every person was created in the image of God. And by the way, you know all of the discussion that goes on about what it means to be created in the image of God? So much ink has been spilled here. Does that mean we have a particular attribute like intellect or free will or maybe a certain physical form? But I'd like to think of the word image as a verb rather than a noun. 
We were created to image God, to be bearers of God in this world. And that's why the resurrected Jesus also breathed onto his disciples in John 20, verse 22. He was giving them an introduction to the spirit that would come upon so many at Pentecost. Breath is often a picture of the spirit. In fact, the Hebrew word for spirit is also breath. Jesus gave them his Holy Spirit to become the flesh and blood bearers of the good news to spread to all the world. And we have this Holy Spirit in us. And we humans are not the extent of all that is holy. God is the ground of being of everything that exists. The ground is similarly holy. The earth is holy. And that's why Christians are called to be good stewards of creation. Theologians like Thomas Aquinas and St. Augustine and John Chrysostom understood the value and the goodness of God's creation. Aquinas reminds us that everything God brought into existence, that is, animal, vegetable, and mineral, represents and communicates God's goodness. Christosom points uh, that all creatures are intrinsically valuable and are instrumental to God's eternal purposes. And St. Augustine proposes the interrelatedness of everything, everything God created and how these relationships bring order and peace to the universe. And therefore, we who image God must care for, honor, and respect God's creation diligently. Unfortunately, instead of caring for God's creation, we have often, too often, participated in what is expedient for personal gain and profit. So often our governments and our societal frameworks promote economic growth at the expense of the poor and at the expense of our environment. Consider the diminishing rainforests and pollution and how nearly all the world scientists agree that humans are a driving force behind climate change. And you should know that Christian ethics repudiates the harming of the Earth's ecological balance. Christian ethics maintains that God calls us to first and foremost that all those in need have food and clean water, adequate shelter, uh, shelter and, and health care access, and a good and welcoming living environment. And when God reveals God's self to humankind, after all, God does not do so to the highest ranking. Rather, God looks first to the least of these. Case in point is how God came to Moses in our scripture today with one of the Bible's most programmatic missions to lead God's people out of bondage. Moses isn't even shepherding his own flocks at the time. The flocks belong to his father-in-law, for 40 years, Moses lived as an obscure shepherd in the desert of Midian. God didn't come to a wealthy landowner or a king or a military general. He came to a humble shepherd tending someone else's sheep. And the implications are profound. For God comes to you and calls you holy. God calls me holy. God calls all of us to revere and respect ourselves and one another and this planet. All is holy ground. 
because the great I am created it and holds it all together nanosecond to nanosecond. And the great I am declared it good. Meeting God requires holiness and respect wherever this occurs, be it in a supernatural burning bush or in the ordinariness of daily life. I'll end with this. I love science fiction, and especially the science fiction movies like Avatar. The Navi, the, uh, in, the, um, in Avatar, the Navi, the indigenous people who lived on this beautiful world, Pandora, had a special way to greet each other. The English translation of this greeting was, I see you. The implication is far more holy. I see the holy in you. I see God in you. I see intention and purpose in you, and I peer into your soul and see the same God who resides in you also in me. What's in a name? Yahweh? Well, the ground of being or consciousness itself. I am who I am. This being knows our names, binds us all together, calls us to a renewed reverence and holiness in and for life and is always with us like for Moses, empowering and breathing into us our God-ordained missions and purposes, all to bring God's kingdom more fully upon this earth. May we, too, respond to God's call. Amen. Thank you for joining us for today's show. You can help us to continue this program by making your donations at BeatitudesChurch.org backslash online dash giving Beatitudes Radio empowering people to enrich society